Welcome to this BMJ podcast. I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor for the BMJ. Now, here we're going to be doing something a little bit different. For the last few months, we've been working on a new project for students with our new student editor, Laura Nunez Mulder. The idea of this is to talk about what's termed as the hidden curriculum. Those are all the things that anyone needs to know to function as a doctor, but which are never actually taught at medical school. Our first few episodes are going to be about surviving your first night shift, how to deal with the emotional fallout of your first CPR event, how to actually change something in your hospital, and how to avoid pissing off your med reg when you make a referral. We'll be covering a really broad range of topics over the coming year, including things like relationships, loneliness, imposter syndrome, lots more. We're talking to students and experts about how they navigate these things. So, I'm very excited to bring you the first full episode of Sharp Scratch. And from here, I'll hand over to Laura. Today on Sharp Scratch, why night shifts mess with your brain, how astronauts will cope with the time difference on Mars, and the power of frozen grapes when you need a boost. And hey, listen to the end of the episode to hear how you can win a free subscription to the on-examination question bank. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode one, Surviving the Night Shift. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where a bunch of us medical students and guest doctors get together in a room and discuss the things that you need to know to be a good medical student or newly qualified doctor, but that you can't really learn at medical school. I'm Laura Nunez Mulder, and I'm the editorial scholar at the BMJ, and I'm also a med student at the University of Cambridge. I've done four years, got two years left to go when I go back to uni, and in the studio with me today, I've got some amazing med students with me. I've got Declan and Raihan. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yep, so I'm Declan. I'm a final year medical student at Norwich. Just finished my exams, so I'm currently stressing a little bit about my results. Oh, don't worry about it, mate. You're going to smash it. We'll <laughs> be fine. Thank you. We'll be fine. Raihan, how about you? Um, so my name's Raihan. I'm a fourth year medical student at Newcastle. I plan on intercalating next year at Imperial, um, intercalating in management. Um, I make YouTube videos in my spare time. Are you trying to get out of uh, trying to get out of medicine with this YouTube and then this management? I don't know. I just want to keep my options open. Like <laughs> we'll, we'll see where the, we'll see where it takes me. <clears throat> Fair enough. And I'm also delighted to have with us in the studio today. We've got Chidera Ota. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi guys. I'm I'm Chidera, and I'm the first year foundation doctor. I also make YouTube videos in my spare time. I've been doing that since I was at uni. Went to the same uni as Laura, University of Cambridge, but I graduated into the big bad world of the NHS in August. <laughs> Um, and I'm still getting my head around the fact that I'm actually a doctor and actually have a job at the moment. Oh, mate, I can't wait to grill you. You've just come back from... So I've just come back from my first two ever night shifts. Um, I finish at 9am this morning, so please forgive me if I do ramble or stop making any sense. So that's what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about the night shift, how we survive it. We're going to be quizzing you later about how you survived the night shift, Jadera. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing, <laughs> hearing how it actually was. And there's loads of stuff that is hard and new about being a junior doctor. And the night shift's just one of them. But it's something that I myself am particularly worried about when I think about what it's going to be like. I've never done a night shift whilst at med mm-hmm. school. Have you? 
I've done one, <coughs> and I think that was my second year. Really? But I, I say Why? it's a night shift, but it was um, stay till three o'clock and just leave when mm. the Yeah, that tends around. to be a night shift. Yeah. Yeah. But why? Like, why? Was that part of your timetable? Yeah, so it was one of our... We had to do a week on a placement, <coughs> like just a specific hospital placement. And uh, unfortunately, my one was there. Yeah, I had to do a night shift. But it's fine. It was just like a few hours. It was fun. It, actually, it's like an adrenaline rush. Your first night shift on a placement... In second year. No responsibility. Yeah, you're just ha- hanging around, feeling like a doctor, but you're not really <laughs> a doctor. You're just a second year medical student. Yeah, how about you, Declan? Did you say you'd done one as well? I've done quite a few, yeah. So for our um, obstetrics and gynecology, we had to do a few night shifts. Um, apparently, more babies are born during the night. What, Whether for your shift? Did you say? Oh, more ba- oh, overall. Appa- I thought appa- you meant appa- apparently, <laughs> apparently, yeah. I thought you meant that on your particular shift, more, right, like no, no, Declan's no, got the magic no. touch. Babies <laughs> <laughs> just pop out it when he's yeah, around. Yeah. Um, apparently, that's what happened. So yeah, we, we had to do a few, um, and then for my final year placements, I wasn't having great day shifts, so I chose to do um, about two weeks on nights. You um, did two whole weeks on nights. Yeah. You wanted so to. well, again, finishing at about four or five in the morning, but that was on orthopedic, so you got to see quite a lot of trauma and stuff like oh, that. Wow. So that was quite cool because I wasn't getting a huge amount of the of the um, of the day placements. So yeah, fair enough. So till four or five a.m. That's like nearly the real thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I tried my best. Yeah. No, I've only <laughs> ever done ones like what you've done, yeah. Ryan. Like the the kind of night shift where you. I don't know. It wasn't even till it was till 10, 10 p.m. That's yeah. what I was scheduled to. Ten p- in Peterborough. Yes, I did the same one. Mm. That was my only experience of a night shift before this. It was yeah. two hours between eight p.m. and ten p.m. in A and E in Peterborough because I was so bored mm. and nothing else to do. So I just went in at night. Yeah, yeah. There's yep. not much to do out there, is there? <laughs> no, no <not laughs> placement. So yeah, but I know. But what you know, what students do do. What I have done is all nighters. So um, so what's the worst part of an all-nighter, do you reckon, Declan? I mean, keeping the caffeine going. The cost of coffee <laughs> <laughs> soon adds up. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I actually don't find them too bad because my the best time that I work is kind of between 8 at night, 2 mm. in the morning. So mm. I think it just depends on, on what's all right for you, to be honest. So is it the daytime stuff that screws you over? Yeah, yeah, midday, between 1 o'clock <laughs> and 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm a bit of a that's mess. When you, that's when you sleep, then, I guess. Do you it's, when I have a, it's when I have a Red Bull or a coffee. Oh, right, I tend enough. not to nap, yeah, yeah. but... <laughs> fair enough. No, I, my, I think my least favourite bit is the... Uh, sort of 3am crash you got that little buzz you feel good okay. you're going with it and then just that bit where you're still not finished you yeah. still have to keep going but you feel awful yeah you just want to you know that if you hit the pillow you just fall asleep straight away but you just have to keep going mm. and you you can't you're not allowed to sleep i hate that you're it's the worst feeling dazed. but that's when i'm alone and i've just got my essay <laughs> to worry about and i'm not responsible for the lives or health or comfort of other people and to be honest i'm just dreading what that's actually going to be like i think that's one of my biggest worries considering how much i love my sleep like if i get woken up um after i need six and a half seven hours sleep if i get woken up at five hours after five hours honestly you don't want to see me (laughs) just stay out of my way so i'm i'm dreading staying up doing a night shift and then maybe even having to function the next day because you've got Mm. places to be Mm. things to do yeah yeah Mm. And it's hard to like just. I mean, I've heard it's hard to just go to sleep in the day. Like you've got to, you got to go home, make food. Yeah. You got. I know it's day. Stuff happens. You want to see someone. Yeah. You want to. 
do life, but then you've hardly got any time left to sleep. In, in daylight, just yeah, daylight. And daylight. It's yeah, it's such a struggle to sleep. Yeah, but then it's not just it's not just the patient safety and stuff that I think about. It's also that like I've read read stuff around you know how night shifts and shift work increases your risk of all kind of illness as you get older yeah. and mm. and how you know there's there's all these accidents as as people drive home you like you can't you're not that you're not as safe driving when you're fatigued yeah. is there anything else you guys are worried about with the night shift making decisions when you're tired is yeah that's they're, they're not the best decisions you make and yeah. you just you're not your sharpest and i'm thinking well, it's not re- exactly especially the best. decisions that require some thought. Exactly, yeah. I think I think it would probably be all right doing basic clinical skills and stuff on a night shift, but having to think on your feet for emergency situations. Yeah. Does that yeah. check out, Jadera? You're nodding here. Um, so I think it was definitely how I felt because this is my first properly medical placement anyway. So I was already nervous coming into mm. it because I thought, you know, well, I haven't done you know general medicine in its you know, purest form yeah. ever. It yeah. <laughs> really is yeah. an F1. And a completely new team as well. Completely new team of people you that I've never worst. met before. <laughs> um, and then again, getting tired because I think definitely my first shift around sort of three or four, I started noticing myself making not really mistakes, but just things like I would be believed about a patient and I'd have to double check what was the hospital number again let me just ask you that again which ward are you on sorry i haven't quite caught that which bed again mm-hmm. things that normally i just get mm-hmm. fairly easy yeah. because they're simple things i noticed were taking a little bit longer um but i think i almost scared myself enough to give myself a bit of an adrenaline rush i think it was adrenaline more than anything else that carried me through So how are we going to survive? How are we going to survive these night shifts? We're going to quiz Chidera a bit later on for her tips and all the kinds of things she's learned from this past few nights, her first nights ever. Um, But before we do that, um, we're going to hear exactly what's going on in our brains and our bodies uh, when we're messing around with our circadian rhythms and staying up at night. Um, Because last week I got the chance to talk to a NASA researcher, which is honestly one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. That's Dr. Erin Eflin Evans, who's the leader of the Fatigue Countermeasures Group for NASA, and she researches fatigue and sleep and astronauts. <laughs> so yeah, let's hear that now. So just like in medicine and many other occupational groups where long work hours are just a fact of life, in space, We know that sleep, as on the ground, is essential for optimal performance. And on the ground, in a lot of circumstances, you have backup. Uh, So, for example, in a hospital, if you make a small mistake, obviously that's not a great thing, but you probably have redundancy built into the system so that a nurse or another uh, doctor will catch uh, a small error and help prevent any sort of um, consequence. In space... We do have mission control, but there is limited backup available when you're thinking about, you know, four to six astronauts on the space station. And so it's essential that we keep them rested so that they can perform uh, at their best. So what is it exactly that you're working on? So I work on a variety of issues, but in astronauts right now, one of the big things that we're interested in is looking at how astronauts will fare on long-duration, deeper space missions. And so uh, you may have heard that we're going back to the moon. And so in going to the moon, we're going to have new challenges. Um, In low Earth orbit, the space station goes around the Earth every 
90 minutes. So there's a 45-minute dark cycle and a 45-minute light cycle. And we've done a lot of work to try to understand how that influences circadian rhythms. But when we go to the moon and then onto Mars, we'll have new challenges. And so a lot of what we're doing is preparing for that that future. So those, those challenges, are those challenges to do with circadian rhythms and a different length of day and night to the 45 minutes that you've worked with before? Is that is that the main challenge or are there other challenges too? That's exactly right. So there, there are numerous challenges actually, um, but if we think about Mars, uh, Mars is, is very different from Earth, of course, but one of the interesting uh, facts about Mars is that the day length is 24 hours and 39 minutes, which is remarkably similar to the Earth's rotation, <laughs> but it's just long enough to cause a lot of circadian desynchrony. And so we know that with countermeasures such as exposing astronauts to carefully controlled blue light, we can reset their circadian rhythms so they can adapt to a Mars day. Um, But if you tried to live on a Mars day here on Earth, you would be going to bed 39 minutes later every day. So the first three, you know, few days, three or four days, it probably wouldn't be so bad. But as you got into it, it would become harder and harder as your schedule inverted. And so we really need to make sure that the astronauts are able to adapt to that Mars day when we do go to Mars so that they don't become persistently desynchronized from their uh, work schedules in the solar light dark cycle. So why is it actually that circadian desynchrony that sort of going to bed later and later every day say um why does that mess with your head why does that mess with your ability to feel rested that's a great question so the circadian rhythm is your internal biological clock and it's quite elastic so we can adapt to different day lengths within a narrow range Um, But when we try to adjust too quickly, so for example, when we travel across time zones or if you go from being awake during the day to suddenly having to do a night shift, your circadian rhythm will be misaligned. And if you think about this in a very simple way, the circadian rhythm is trying to promote sleep during the night and wakefulness during the day. So when you try to stay awake at night very abruptly, your circadian rhythm doesn't have time to adjust. And as a result, you will feel very, very sleepy because your your body is really trying to make you go to sleep, essentially. And we know from numerous studies that that's associated with performance decrements. And that's even if you are able to, say, get a nap during the day, you'll still experience performance decrements as you get to that low point of your circadian rhythm. And I guess that explains why it's harder to sleep during the day than the night as well, right? Because in the day, your circadian rhythm is trying to promote wakefulness. That's exactly right. And that's one of the major problems associated with working rotating shifts. You may be able to get by, uh, maybe have some caffeine at night, uh, maybe expose yourself to a little uh, bit of blue light to help alert yourself. Um, But then when you do try to sleep during the day, in addition to all of the environmental factors that can disrupt your sleep, um, because most other people are awake during the day, you will have this circadian misalignment where your circadian rhythm is trying to promote wakefulness during the day, uh, which will typically reduce the amount of sleep that you can achieve. So why is it exactly that when we stay up late or when we do the night shift and when we get tired, what exactly is going on in our brain? What kind of structures, what kind of neurology is going on behind that? 
the really interesting thing in the field of sleep medicine is that we're constantly learning new things about how sleep loss and how circadian misalignment uh, influence the observation of poor performance that we see when we measure people. So for circadian misalignment, we know that uh, light enters the eye, goes down the retinal hypothalamic tract. Uh, there's actually a specialized set of intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells in the back of the eye that are separate from the rods and cones that um, help us with vision. And these intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells take the light signal, send it to the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus, and then from there, that is the seat of the master circadian pacemaker, there's a cascade of signal that goes through the body, including, for example, to your pineal gland, where if it's dark, melatonin is produced, and if there's a light signal, melatonin will not be produced. And when you are circadian misaligned, there is what we would call internal desynchronization. And so your brain is maybe expecting a dark signal and a light signal comes. And so that cascade of signaling that would normally happen when you're what we would call entrained or synchronized to the 24-hour day is offset. And a lot of the processes that would normally happen with entrainment are, you know, thrown off. Um, but of course, the circadian rhythm is only one side of the story when it comes to how sleep loss um, affects your alertness and performance. Uh, I would say the very simple thing that most people experience is that the longer you're awake, the more sleepy you'll feel. And as we stay awake for extended periods of time, adenosine builds up. And it's thought that adenosine um, is one of the major neuromodulators responsible for that feeling of grogginess that we experience as we accumulate sleep debt. So, for example, if you're not getting enough sleep on a regular basis or if you're awake for an extended period of time, um, that is associated with that buildup of adenosine. And a, a very interesting fun fact is caffeine is an adenosine antagonist. And so that's why when you use caffeine, uh, it blocks the action of, of adenosine, and you'll get that temporary boost in alertness and performance. Just to go back to your, your research and the work that you're doing. So the work that you're doing is potentially contributing to how astronauts will sleep when they go on longer missions, such as going to the moon. Is that right? That's correct. There are some more complicated issues associated with sleeping in space than simple circadian misalignment and uh, poor sleep environment. Uh, one of the things that uh, we are concerned about is how people will interact with each other for long durations of time in close quarters. And so we think that there are interactions with sleep because obviously uh, sleep loss leads to a little bit of crankiness for some people. And so one of the studies that we're doing, or that we've just finished actually, was in a habitat here on Earth where we conducted basically a fake space mission for 45 days. And we had crew members selected to be very similar to astronauts. And they went into this habitat and they got five hours of sleep during the week and they got eight hours of sleep on the weekends. And so by studying them in this situation, we can better understand how that chronic sleep restriction influences their alertness and performance, but also how it influences their ability to work together as a cohesive team. That's so interesting. So fatigue countermeasures goes quite a bit beyond 
figuring out how much coffee and blue light to give to astronauts, but actually goes into seeing how fatigue interacts with mood regulation and interpersonal relationships. Yeah, I think that's the really exciting thing about being in this field. Sleep really does touch everything. So I I like to say you can say sleep and fill in the blank um, because whether you're looking at long-term health outcomes like cancer or cardiovascular disease or short-term consequences of sleep loss like performance impairment or engagement with other people, um, you know, sleep plays a role in all of those things. All right, did you guys take notes there? Because we're testing you on the on the neurological just, just structures one, just later. Just one or two. One really two. can't wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be breaking down what Erin's research means for us med students, and we're going to be hearing about Jadera, how her first night shifts went, and whether she's got any lessons learned to share with us. Uh, but that will be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. All right, back to the show. Chidera, when you were listening to that interview, do you think there's anything that stood out from Erin and her research that you think we could learn from? Yes, there's a few things that she mentioned, actually. Um, I think what I found really interesting is when she mentioned the sort of interpersonal relationships and the impact lack of sleep can have on that, because a big part of my job and a big part of any of our jobs when we're a part of the NHS will be referring to and talking to other teams I mean, the team that I was working with, I never, I'd never even met before I started, mm-hmm. and I spent the rest of the evening talking to different nurses and other teams, you know, referring, taking bleeps, and even during the day, sometimes that can be a little, you know, there are times <laughs> when maybe communication skills fall, you know, by <laughs> fall away a little, really, and people no. aren't quite as polite as they expect, you know, you'd hope they would be. You mean um, the real, the real world's not like a I know communication <laughs> skills. Boss? I know. Not like scrubs. No ice. (laughs) (laughs) What, no ice? You don't ask your colleagues what their ideas, concerns and expectations are? It's never happened to me yet. (laughs) Fingers crossed, I'm hoping. But yeah, even at night, um, I definitely noticed that when people were talking to each other, there was a slight change and people were a little bit more clipped and short with each other. And you're trying not to take any of that sort of thing personally because everybody's very tired Mm. and stressed and you know, over half of your team is no longer in the hospital, so everyone's responsibility is suddenly skyrocketed. But yeah, that was something I found very interesting because it's almost at a time when working well together is at its utmost importance because there's so few of you. Um, but I often felt that maybe 
communication skills and team working, particularly between different teams who maybe didn't have the responsibility to each other as actual team members within the same firm or whatever, um, was not quite as strong as it maybe could have been. Yeah. So I found so, that very interesting. So if everyone's like a bit more clipped and short with each other at night, is are people also more forgiving of each other at night? Is do people recognise it or are people have people got even sort of shorter capacities to cope with people who are rude or whatever? I, I think the capacity for dealing with ill feeling is is reduced at night because mm. when you're tired and you're stressed and you're having a hard time and someone's rude to you obviously a big part of you is aware of the fact that they feel that way because they feel exactly the same way that you do but another part of you is already sort of maybe on the defense a little bit because you don't feel great and then you've had someone else throw something at you were there any times this week where you felt maybe like a bit angry a bit um, hard done by Yes. And even now I can kind of look at some of the situations where I was a bit irritated and think, you know, you weren't really being completely rational, Chidera. Hang on, but you haven't you haven't really like slept since then. So you're saying that you're more more rational now, even though you're still sort of on night shift. I think it's just that when you're in that night shift, because it's not only the fact that you're awake. And, you know, it's late. But, I mean, the NHS in itself is a very peculiar way to work. You know, I'm working in an office that doesn't have windows. <laughs> and I'm just surrounded by computers. I mean, you're talking about blue light. All I've got is computer screen lighting and those mm. yellow sort of artificial overhead yeah. lighting. Yeah. Um, it can be quite tense. You know, if you're the one looking after this patient, you can kind of feel like you're in this little bubble of, you know, intensity and, you know, hyper... I don't know what the word I'm looking for is because I'm you know sleep deprived but you get what I'm that's talking okay about. that's okay we forgive um you. and you you are just a little bit more short-tempered than you would be because you just feel very like things are closing in on you a little bit is that like this feeling that I described when I'm writing my essay and I want to go to sleep but I'm not allowed yeah except obviously yeah. way way worse <laughs> sorry but, I'm not yeah. trying to compare. No, but like 12 yeah, hours yeah. and then like times yeah. 10 <laughs> um so that was, yeah, the, and now that I'm even having just left the building and left that environment, yes, I still haven't slept, but I'm able to rationalise things that happen a little bit more. So I can think of a few things where I was kind of like, oh, why did you do that? You know, whereas now I'm like, OK, it's because they were also overworked and understaffed and had a whole other host of things going on the same way that I was feeling. And so I'm annoyed that someone else hasn't done something. But the reason they haven't done it is because they're just as busy as I am. But mm. in the moment, you're like, oh, I've got this whole list of things to do and I'm so angry. Imagine what it's like for pe- like the people in Erin's experiment who are even... in a habitat for 45 days, yeah. like can't get away, can't get out of that space. I wonder if there's windows there. There might be windows. I don't know. But (laughs) (laughs) and she mentioned as well. She mentioned caffeine and blue light is how they help astronauts Mm. stay awake and sort of stay awake a bit later to get in sync with a new circadian rhythm. Did you make use? You said you mentioned blue light from the computers. Did you make use of caffeine as well? So I really didn't want to. Um, I actually gave up coffee for New Year's just because I suffer from migraines fairly regularly mm. and I noticed that there was a link there. You didn't want to use it? I didn't, um, but I got to about 2am, 3am on my first night and I just thought I'm not quite as sharp as I could be and I remembered the adenosine fact <laughs> and thought well, if I'm going to drink coffee this is the best time because this is the point at which it will actually work the most. Um, so I did have, I think I got, like, I actually got an espresso. <laughs> um, and I had some of that. Um, and then I also had some of the classic NHS granule coffee that's just kind of lying around and tastes mm. like dirt, but does the job. Um, and then last night as well, I, I actually brought some, you know, those sort of sachet yeah. latte-y things that you yeah, can just treat make. Yeah, treat yourself. 
Yeah. Yeah, luxurious. Um, how, so how did it feel after you? Did you notice the difference? 100%, yeah, yeah, I did. It was, it really was necessary. And actually, because this is the thing, I asked a lot of my friends for advice before I started nights. And a few did say, you know, absolutely avoid caffeine. Like, don't start Red Bull or coffee or anything like that. And really? Others, yeah, genuinely. Why would they say that? So I think for some people, particularly if you're doing a longer string of nights, they want I think they kind of just want you to naturally shift your sleep cycle. Uh. So for me, if I'm going on holiday, for example, and I'm going to somewhere that has a different time zone, I wouldn't use coffee to kind of keep myself awake. I kind of just try to tilt myself. Um, and so I think they were kind of thinking of it in this in the way I guess as she's describing is that with time your sleep cycle will to an extent kind of shift. Um, and I think things like caffeine and Red Bull and stuff also, which is why I often avoid them, is that they can give you that quite big peak of energy and then you crash afterwards and I think it's that crash that a lot of people do try to avoid on the night shift because if you're going to crash at a time when you should already be in bed you know 5 a.m it's, it's not great um so I think that's why some of the people who I asked for advice did say you know just avoid the caffeine if you can did you crash um I didn't actually I think I kind of just kept myself topped up a little bit yeah. do you um, think it do you think it stopped you from falling asleep when you got back home um you know what, maybe a little bit, because the thing is that at the end of my night shift, I thought, see, I didn't know anything about this before I got involved. Um, so I thought, you know, at nine o'clock, the day team would turn up, we'd give a little bit of chat, a little bit of handover, and then just go home. But you well, actually... Yeah, that's what I'd think. <laughs> yeah, sure, no. that sounds completely reasonable. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you actually go on a second little ward round in the morning where you go with the day team to review the patients who have come in overnight. So I realised this at around sort of... Well, I realised this um, when we arrived because they mentioned, oh, we'll be back at seven to do the thing. And I was like, what thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so around seven o'clock when we started prepping the list for them to come in, um, and I just wanted to be a bit with it because they're going to ask, you know, what have you done? What would you recommend? Blah, blah, blah. You don't want to kind of be like half asleep, barely making your way around. So I had a coffee, I guess, fairly late in my shift to make sure that I was perked up for that. But then when I got home at around 10, I was still a little bit wired. Mm, can imagine. Mm. So what did you do to help yourself get to sleep? So um, I relied again on my uh, third-year neuroscience knowledge. Ooh, so I don't, if this many stuff people... actually comes in useful. <laughs> yeah. I can never say this word properly. Satiety uh, cycle is actually quite closely linked to your sleep cycle. When you're tired, you produce a lot of the chemical that makes you hungry. Um, and vice versa, when you eat... You can it's easier to go to sleep essentially mm. um which is why i don't know if any of you get sort of um post-satiety somnolence i get that quite badly yeah yeah if i eat a big meal i will I call it yeah. food coma what did you call yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> i'm just over here trying to find smart the, yeah. <laughs> i've never heard that before so i basically put myself into a food coma and it worked for a few hours, again, I mean, it's the middle of the day. Everybody's mm. out and about. I live in a fairly quiet area, but even with that, with daylight and just noises kind of in and around London, it was hard to stay asleep for more than sort of, I think I maybe got two and a half, three hours. Yeah. Wow. Do you have um, blackout curtains? Because that's something I've heard that helps. Yeah, so I don't. And I think that's something I would like to invest in the future. It's either blackout curtains or even just something simple like an eye mask. I just didn't think about it. Um, and I think an eye mask and maybe some earbuds. While we're on a little break from the podcast, let me just quickly tell you how much we appreciate you listening to Sharp Scratch. 
We appreciate you so, so much and we want you to know that. So we've asked On Examination to give you a discount on all their exam question banks. So if you've not heard of it, On Examination is a question bank for medical exams. And we all know how invaluable it is to have a question bank to hand when you're revising. Personally, I'm a fan of the fact that On Examination has its own app, which even prompts me with a personalised daily question to remind me to revise every single day. And now On Examination is giving all of us a special sharp scratch discount of 15%. So if you're going for, say, the situational judgment test, then you'll pay 12.75 instead of 15 quid for a four-month subscription. So the discount is across all medical student exams, plus we've thrown in MRCP Part 1. So if you want to get your discount, head to the student section of onexamination.com, select your exam and enter SHARP SCRATCH at checkout, all caps, no spaces, for a 15% discount. That's 15% off on examination with a promo code of SHARP SCRATCH, all caps, no spaces. Later on, I'll tell you how you could win a free on examination subscription as a SHARP SCRATCH listener. But for now, let's get back to the show. So what other kind of tips did you get from colleagues before you did started? So again, people said bring snacks because, you know, this is the thing with this cycle. And I, you know, you learn about this in third and you say, oh, OK, so the less sleep you have, the more hungry you feel. And in my head, I was kind of like, hmm, how much of an impact can this have on me? I was ravenous for the whole of my shift. <laughs> I have never been hungrier in my life. So, yeah, I brought loads of snacks. We even with those said snacks still ordered in food. We had dinner in inverted commas at maybe around 2 a.m what did you have Uh, so you are very limited as to what's open which is why nights can often be quite unhealthy so the first night actually it wasn't too bad i had a falafel wrap because there was like a Mm. shawarma place that was open and then yes we had pizza because why not (laughs) yeah why not Mm -hmm. you've earned it yeah that's something i think about a lot when i'm thinking about night shifts because doing an all-nighter like you do get really hungry for sugar, like sweet, yeah. fatty yeah. stuff, right? How on earth can you regulate that? And As much as I would love to eat healthily at all times, there are certain times where you do just need a bit of sugar, and that was definitely last night. I think <laughs> I might have an idea. Okay. Share it with us, please. You, you might find this stupid, okay? But it's frozen grapes. So when I'm studying, I usually have a pack of frozen grapes in my, fridge, in my freezer at all times. For emergency situations, all time emergency. emergency. <laughs> like if I buy, if I buy a pack of grapes, <laughs> like if I want, if I want to take that pack out, I have to buy another pack to put in to replace that pack oh that I'm taken out. So there's currently a pack in my freezer right now. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> th- this this honestly will revolutionise your your night shift. <laughs> so you so, you take it out, you let it defrost for about ten minutes, half an hour, and whenever you need a kick. Okay, you put one of these in your mouth, you have sugar, you have ice cold, and you have juice, like everything you need in one <laughs> Like It's just a kick. But yeah, try it on your night shift. I will try the Will she need a freezer at her workplace? <laughs> just take an work. ice box. Yeah, so, <laughs> so ask your, you know, the, the hospital that you're at to invest in a freezer. You um, want me to ask an NHS hospital for, <laughs> for frozen grapes? I don't, you don't even have a kettle. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think coffee machine is more. Yeah, I think, mm. but coffee machines are more expensive, maybe than a freezer <laughs> full of grapes. So, Declan, after all we've talked about here, is there any bit standing out to you as things that you'll actually carry forward with you when you start your night shift, start your junior doctoring? I mean, my my primary concerns really again the interpersonal relationships with the various different healthcare professionals. Mm. I mean, you have nurses, you have 
um, HCAs, you have cleaners, you have the on-call reg and the consultant. And it's just finding the, the best way to kind of um, be a productive team, ha- give adequate care to the patient while being so understaffed. Do you get do you get pretty cranky yourself when you're tired? Um, yeah, I think everybody does. And tired. Uh, not me. I'm 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 just really, really kind. I'm out. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm, laughs> no, nah, I probably get a bit more short-tempered. I like mm. to think of myself as a kind person, but I think halfway yeah. through a night shift, a patient coming in, being ill, being understaffed, being on your own. Yeah, I'd be. I'd yeah, be pretty snappy. to be fair, that pressure does like yeah. bring out. Yeah, it does. A, a I side think of you knowing like. when to ask for help and who to ask for help, I think, would also be very difficult. Have you got any tips for that kind of stuff? Um, I think in general, it's obviously harder for me on this placement because these are my first two shifts. Yeah. But I tend to make a lot of an effort with the teams anyway. So I really like to get to know the nurses, HCAs, hostesses, all by name. And I think that would carry forward into a night shift normally, because if you're working with people that you actually know um, and have some camaraderie already inbuilt there, I think that helps. And I think maybe that's what I struggled with a little bit yesterday is that a lot of mm. people that I, w- I was meeting, you know, this was the first time. So there wasn't really any sort of background of any relationship or having worked before. Did you feel kind of isolated? There were points where I kind of felt a little bit alone. I'm definitely someone who prefers to work in a team. Um, And I just come from a placement where I was stuck in an even smaller um, doctor's office, but with at least three or four other um, F1s, a number of SHOs and a number of registrars. So being in this team of literally one F1, two SHOs and a registrar and all of us running around a fairly big hospital, it was very different to what I was used to. And I did feel a little bit lonely because not only are you the only one in the hospital, but no one else is awake. Like, even mm. on a normal on-call shift, I can at least text a friend because it's, you know, 7pm, 8pm, they're awake. But at 4am, I remember thinking there's no one else that I can actually ask for help other than my team because everybody else is in bed. Yeah. And that was... That does seem quite lonely. A little bit scary. And then actually. I guess in the day you get don't get much chance to see no. people you know outside of medicine either. And I think that's something that night shifts can be quite dangerous for is that you kind of lose aspects of your real slash personal life because you're now just working on a completely different cycle to everybody else. I don't know if any of you have friends or family who live in different time zones, but you can think of how difficult it is to mm-hmm. even just phone call or you know keep in touch because you're trying to work out when are you awake, when am I awake, when are you not at work and I'm not about to hop in the shower, blah, blah, blah. But then that's your entire life. Like My entire life kept going, but just I was asleep at that time and it was very odd. Something quite different that's popped into my head. I'd really like to ask you about whether you napped at all (laughs) during your night shifts. So the mess is often actually not very full, even at sort of typical lunch times. Mm. Um, But do you think it's it's good enough for a nap? Do you think it's good enough for resting? It's good enough for a nap. And I think Mm. there are some rooms that have beds in them, but I think you have to essentially book them out beforehand oh, right. which many people won't do because realistically I mean it depends on the sort of shift you're doing but for me the amount of time I actually genuinely had to lie down and rest was maybe an hour tops I'm not going to book out a room for the entire night for no that. you need something more flexibility mm-hmm. don't you how about you Raihan what would you take away from all that Jadar has told us today I think it's interesting to to actually speak to someone who's just had a night shift and how it is they felt throughout it and um you know what really picks them up um you 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 mentioned the nap um like one thing that really works for me is if i'm really tired just a 20 minute nap 25 minute nap 
and I can go for a few more hours and you know it's like you've slept a full night and like knowing that you can possibly do that on a night shift it does put me at ease a little bit knowing that okay well at least I can rely on my coffee and and my nap and those are the two things I need and honestly I think it's less daunting yeah. hearing that from you it is a lot more reassuring although yeah, the one thing that I probably would struggle with is the the sleeping pattern the shift in your sleeping pattern I just can't see myself going from sleeping at night to then just sleeping throughout the day and working throughout the night and then having to revert back to it the the week after mm. so Declan's taken away the stuff about social relationships you're taking away the stuff about caffeine and naps and I think for me the main thing that I've thought about here today is that I don't know for some reason I had this preconception that I'd be able to go into a night shift and just not eat from start to finish I thought I'll have dinner before I'll have breakfast after and that'll be a way for me to keep healthy and keep on top of it but I'm hearing from you now Jadera that you've got to have some food to keep your Bring a big concentration shopping bag. big shopping bag big heavy shopping big, bag so that's completely just turned me around on the food <laughs> aspect of it um thank you so much Dara for coming in um after your night shifts just a note for listeners as a you know the BMJ does not recommend <laughs> doing a full day of activities after a night shift but thank we are so grateful to you that you, you could no come problem. in thank you um, and spend me. time with us uh, when are you next doing a night shift um, so I'll be honest, I can't even think about what I'm doing next week. I think it's about a month and I have another run of either three or four. Are you going to do anything differently then? Um, I will try as much as I can to sleep during the day, but of course it's going to be difficult and I will plan less activities in the day because that is a mistake <laughs> I made this time. I did not predict Sorry how tired I would be. Oh, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I hope it works out with getting them uh, blackout curtains. That'll hopefully help yeah, as well. At least a sleeping mask. That's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you'd like to hear more from us, subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks' time, you'll get our next episode straight to your phone. In the meantime, check us out on social media. We're on at studentbmj on Twitter, at student underscore bmj on Instagram, and studentbmj on Facebook. All the links are in the description. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag SharpScratch. We'd love to hear your ideas for what we should cover on later in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps other med students find the show. And as a thank you for leaving a review, we've got two free on-examination subscriptions to give away. So that's free access to a med student question bank, just absolutely ideal for exam season. So if you'd like to be up for winning a free on-examination subscription, then leave a review and let us know on social media that you've done so. And we'll randomly select two people as winners. The links to our social media are in the description, so tag us and tell us your reviewer username. And hey, whilst you're there, you may as well let us know what you think we should cover later in the season with the hashtag SharpScratch. Um, we'd really appreciate reading all your feedback in the reviews and on social media. So that's two free on-examination subscriptions to win if you leave a review tag us on social media and tell us your review username for a chance to win. Next time, we'll be talking about patient referrals, what you actually need to do and how you can do a good enough referral to keep the medreg on your good side. Until then, goodbye from me, Laura. From me, Declan. From me, Raihan. And from me, Chidera. <laughs> <laughs>